everyone is so nice strangers you know people on the street people want you you know they people don't stop when you're crossing the street with a baby but they'll stop for a pregnant woman i don't know what's my god you're right strollers they're ready to run over a stroller but if you're huge and you're crossing the street they'll stop for you i don't know it's very bizarre Welcome to another edition of Mommy's Happy Hour. I'm Hiba Shanbo. I may not have expected it, but motherhood was and is the most challenging thing I've done to date. After a long struggle with infertility, I had my twins at the age of 41. Two and a half years later, here we are, and I'm curious to figure out what advice and what theories have worked for mothers, catch up with them, and occasionally vent about the things we deal with daily. I'm joined on the show today by my friend, Kaz Castillo, a relatively new mother. Her son was born in December of last year, and he just turned a year old last week. Yeah, I'm a little bit in shock, actually, because time goes by so quickly with a baby. And, you know, all these months I've been like, you know, tagging myself as a new mom, and and suddenly I realize I'm not that new. You know, it's like it's one year, so that's, that's, he's not a newborn anymore and he's changing so much right now so it's really it's really crazy the the growth exponentially she's a yogi and a teacher who runs a Mysore dedicated ashtanga program out of noon center in Zemetic Cairo since the beginning of her yoga journey all the way back in 2006 she has taught and practiced all over the world and now currently lives in Cairo We'll talk about that in this episode, the fact that she resumed her practice very early on into motherhood, the fact that last summer she traveled extensively with her six-month-old son, much to my awe and disbelief, and discovering what she calls baby minutia, all the things that you only discover you need after having your baby. By the end of the of December and January, there was all this talk of COVID, and by February things were changing. So in in the next few months, like you would hear from a lot of people, obviously people who aren't at, at any risk, thinking, ah, it's so amazing to have all this time. I have a friend who learned new language, learned a new language, and and you know, time to be like you get posted, like time to get creative, and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> I don't have time, you know. I have a lot of time because I can't leave the house, but all of this time is occupied by by minutia, you know, baby minutia, like um, bottles and diaper change and feedings. And when you're feeding a newborn, it's like you're feeding constantly. And yeah. when you're having trouble breastfeeding, it's like you're even you're feeding literally constantly. So it's a it, it was a crazy time. Um, you know, and really infuriating when people were like, ah, this is the time to do something new. I'm like, I can't even shower. You know, like, I, I would like to shower. Oh my God. I think I was constipated for that whole first year. I barely had time to go to the bathroom. So long, I still have that issue, which is really terrible, <laughs> you know, and like, I know, I know when I'm having a, going to have a bad day is when I've, I've, I've missed that, that window. Missed the opportunity. <laughs> Mm. I know completely. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No, no. For me, that first year, I barely had time to go to the bathroom and I barely had time to take showers. I've gotten to the place where I was like, I just, you know, I cut my own hair at some point because um, I wasn't going to a salon um, during during the quarantine. 
And I was just, I couldn't take it anymore because it was just getting so tangled because it would take me so long to shower. Like it, it was, it was ugly, you know, and now things are much better. Things are like, you know, there's more space. It's amazing how you can go from that, that point where you're literally not sleeping. You can't shower. Um, you have no personal time to, to now. I still don't have that much personal time, but I can shower. <laughs> maintain a certain amount of hygiene <laughs> yeah I think you become a little thick skin now it's like the kids are always they'll find you wherever you go now you know it's like they walk in they're touching things before you're always like so worried like oh my god this is gonna fall this is you're like whatever break it I don't care no problem yeah I'm still there I'm, I mean he's like right now everything that's electrical is just I don't know how he knows even if it doesn't look like it's plugged in and he wants to touch it and so it's like, and I, it's, um, it's, it, it's, it uh, causes so much anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to like chase this little being and kind of going, how do I manage to make this, this, this person survive <laughs> long enough <laughs> to get through the age where he's not going to want to, you know, put something electrical in his mouth. And it's, but like in between all of those anxiety, those, those anxiety filled moments, you have those moments like, oh my God, that's so cute. Did you hear what he said? Yeah, yeah, of course, there's the so cute and just like, and the the bubbles of love, you know, those moments where you're just filled with just so much love and awe. Speaking of your yoga practice, you started up again quite early on, right? And I'm kind of impressed because I felt for me to be able to do anything productive, I needed to be as far away from them as possible. I was, it was, I had a hard time disconnecting when I was at home. So when, when did you get back into your yoga practice? I think I waited for two months. Um, so on the second month, uh, the, when, you're, when you have natural childbirth, um, the recommendation is to wait for one month. And then in my case, I, I waited a second month because I was just really tired. I was super, super tired the first and second month. Um, and then when I started to feel more recovered, I was sleeping better, um, I thought I would start, and I didn't start consistently. It would be like on the, on the days that it felt like I had space when he was napping or in the beginning, he's not moving so much. So you can lay him down. And in those moments, usually naps or when he's like, you know, playing with whatever, um, I would take that like hour Sometimes, sometimes less, 30 minutes. Many times I would get interrupted because he would, he would wake up or want, want to feed. And, and it is what it is. You just kind of do what you can. And it was slow. It was slow for me to come back, back on the mat. Um, I felt very depleted. Um, and I felt very like in a, I, I was in a very different body from when, when I last um, was really practicing. Yeah, because you didn't pra practice during your pregnancy that much, did you? Yeah, I did, but it was very modified. And, um, you know, I had these delusions of grandeur that I would be like one of these like super yoga moms that would be like practicing straight through the pregnancy. Um, and the truth is like, you know, um, when it came to the time, like the the recommendation is the first trimester, you don't practice at all. Um, and people 
interpret that in different ways. First trimester, I was like in negotiations with my husband because I really wanted to practice. And he was like, no, that's a really bad idea. You you said so yourself and you're in your tradition, you don't practice. And I was like, but I'm going to practice lightly. I haven't talked to my doctor. And he was like, yeah, light stretches is okay. And so, you know, and I was like, I was ready to go. And the in the second month, um, like I, it was like getting hit by a ton of bricks. I was so tired. I was exhausted. So I didn't, I decided not to push it. Yeah. I remember actually you mentioned something funny. It just reminded me when I was like in the full swing of Ashtanga yoga practice for me. And I remember practicing in London in 2006. And of course, I mean, you know, Hamish's studio and I would practice there every morning. And I remember seeing these women that were like literally about to pop and they were doing the whole intermediate series and they were doing the headstands and, and the back bends. And I was like looking at them like, oh, that's going to be me for sure. <laughs> like, and I exactly like you. Well, besides the fact that I, when I got pregnant, finally, I, I'm not into, I'm not completely immersed into yoga like I was before, obviously, you know that, but the first trimester, like you said, was, is so exhausting. And I was so depleted. And, and then I, I kind of had complications at the end of my first trimester. So I wasn't willing to risk it. I said, you know what, I'm going to be real conservative and sit on my fat ass and do nothing. So I did nothing yeah, yeah. pregnancy, but are you, are you back in your practice? Um, I would say I'm on the way back, but I'm not back back. Um, the truth is like physically I'm much, um, much more, but in a better condition. Like I lost a lot of weight, especially over the last couple of months and I feel stronger. So the, the strength that I really lost, that was one of the shocks of, of when I came back to practice was that I, you know, I didn't have the core strength. I didn't have the arm strength. Um, I could get the flexibility a little bit, but I, I hadn't twisted since maybe uh, since I learned I was pregnant. So the twists were really difficult. And plus I had like, um, you know, uh, an extra, an extra belly <laughs> to, to, to try to twist around. And so all of these things were is so awkward in, in the beginning. And so these things are much better. Now, my issue now is time. It's hard to find the time to practice a long practice. So I, I can maintain uh, a practice that's that's short, um, depending on the day. So if I get lucky with a, a long nap, I can I can manage it. Um, and I've been trying to get up earlier, but my son Nile he wakes up very early, so he's up usually by five five thirty. So to beat him, I would have to wake up at four. And so, and I, I do occasionally feel really like I'm going to do it and I'll set my alarm. And I really, I turn that alarm off when they came. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I need to sleep. So it's, it's a battle. No, you know, that was my first year as well. I kept on saying, I'm going to wake up before those little shits wake up. And every single time they wake up, they're early risers as well, because I put them to bed early, but they wake up anywhere between six and 7am. But I'm always like, okay, 
It's been a week. They're waking up at 6.30 consistently, 6.37. Okay, let me start wake, waking up earlier. I'll wake up around 5, 5.30. Even if I don't do anything, at least it gives me alone time to like just kind of reboot before they wake up. For some reason, on those days, I would say most of the time, it's like they kind of know that I want to get up early and do something, and they're up earlier those days. It's just so annoying. Or that. They want to be with you. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Or like you said, it's like those days I'm like, no, I can't. I need another 30 minutes of sleep. And And then that 30 minutes turns into one hour, and then they're awake. And then so it's like, you know, it's the the same thing all over again. My most sacred time of the of the day is these mornings before before everyone gets up and before I you know go to go to class to teach, and now it's like it's totally invaded. It's like I know I don't have time. You have you have no more private time. So what do you do now? Do you teach five days a week again? I teach five days a week, um, Monday through Thursday, I go back to noon center and I teach, um, from seven in the morning to 1030. And then usually I'll do a private for an hour, um, before I, I come back to my DNA and I take over, um, the childcare for my husband. So your son is with your husband in the morning when you leave. Yeah. Yeah. He's freelance. So we're lucky in that way. I think this is not going to hold, um, in terms of like, this is not a sustainable uh, plan in the end because he ends up being really tired and unable to to do as much um, of his work. So I don't know, but right now it's what we're doing. And, and I'm glad because it's allowed him a chance to be more proactive, um, to, to learn how to do things that maybe he wouldn't have had to learn if, if, we, had ha- if we had help. Um, and, and also they, they're really bonding. So Niall doesn't miss me when I go away. So it's, it's nice. And he's happy when I come home on Fridays, I have, uh, an hour and a half class, which sometimes I go to, to Zemalik, um, for, and other times I'll do it online, which works really well. So I would like open the door and be like, I'm back. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Obviously it makes a huge difference with, with the commute as well for you especially it's weird because i kind of it's kind of a killer in terms of gosh it takes takes so much time away from the baby um but at the same time i'm lucky because the the half, the rest of the day i'm i'm at home so i have that it, it is a flexible schedule and the now that time that i go to zemelik and i and i teach it's in a way it's my time so it's something that's um, that's not uh, about the baby, um, and so even though it it also means that I don't have my my time. It's you know something that I share with students. It's still something that is that that reminds me of who I am outside of being a mother. Do you have the time or not yet to have like your own own time, like like what you're saying outside of teaching class, outside of practicing yoga? Yeah. Once in a while, because of our childcare situation um, and we're sharing, taking care of the baby, it doesn't happen that much because because I have like this very, um, not super full, but it's a robust teaching schedule. It means that the rest of the time I kind of take over uh, with, but, and I'm very happy to, but it means that I have no personal time. I think I'm getting to a place now that he's older 
and where he's getting used to other people will be able to to I'll be able to have time hopefully in the future in your future yeah I think that, that happened to me around the year and a half mark where I was kind of comfortable enough to leave them a little bit more on their own and to do my own thing before that if I ever did leave I kind of felt anxious so it was just kind of Never that great. That's exactly how I felt when I was in the beginning. I felt very protective of my own, my own private, my own personal yoga practice. And I wanted to, you know, that this is my time. And I found that when I was very strict with that, it created a lot of tension. The, the first year, years, it moved. So it, it everything happened so fast. I wouldn't want to miss too much of it. It doesn't like it. Those are the formative years. So it's like, I used to have that kind of thing, like, I want to spend time with them, but I think I'm going to go crazy if I spend too much time with them. I need my own time. But I think you start off, I think I found that balance around a year and a half. But before that, I had a hard time letting go. How did you manage that for yourself? Like, I mean, did you take little steps? I'm curious. I think what it was, after a year and a half, I was exhausted. I was kind of getting out of my depression. So I was like, if I don't make time for myself... I will probably have a nervous breakdown or something. So it's kind of, I did it because I realized that it's not necessarily making me a better parent by being there all the time. I also want, I also want to cultivate that kind of independence in my own kids. So I don't want them to be completely attached to me. I realized the year and a half mark that me being there all the time is not necessarily a good thing for them or for me. It's not making me a better parent and it's not making... I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes you feel like you need to be selfless when you're a mother mm. you need to just give everything to them. When I started getting that balance, it got a little bit better. I felt like I was more patient. I was more patient and better. Good. So I noticed something which I really, really, really admire. You and your husband, you guys have been going on these great, amazing trips like the White Desert and you take your son with you. How is that? Because for me, Thinking of traveling with those munchkins is like makes me go into like serious anxiety overload. How do you do that? How does that work? Um, so, I mean, one thing was that, I mean, it, it didn't come easy because basically my husband, he has like, um, he has some collaborations in Dahab. So he proposed at some point in the summer that we go to Dahab. And I was like, oh, you know, I this is like, it, it almost blew my mind. I was like, oh, I need to bring like so much stuff. And so we decided to do a month and uh, um, so, and so I packed, I packed so much stuff. I packed everything that I thought I could possibly need, you know? And, um, and, and then I, and, and, and then we went and actually in the end, I, I, we stayed another month. And then I didn't have the things that I needed because he was like a different size by that second month. And so a friend sent, sent clothes and, um, and the, that experience really helped me realize that it was going to be okay. Um, that it had some difficulties, obviously, but it, one, it made me realize that he was at least for now, very easy to travel with. He wasn't a, a cryy baby. He slept well in a moving vehicle. I mean, we, we would take precautions as well. Um, when we traveled to Dahab, we left 
uh, at the time early morning so that he was still sleeping. And so we would spend that part of the time in the car while he was sleeping. And then he woke up, it was not that long. Um, and stuff like that. When we were in Dahab, we went to Nueva. And that was like a challenge because the, you, you know, we stayed at a camp and that it, we didn't have our own bathroom. And I was like, <laughs> gasp, you know, I was like, this is, how is this going to be with this baby? And we were still, you know, we're still bottle feeding. Um, and we were just there a couple of days, but actually it was super okay also. So these, I think these experiences really taught us that we can move with this baby. He's, he's um, nice enough um, uh, cooperative enough to do it. I mean, he has some limits, but he's he's he he's a little bit travel ready. And so, so another part of that story is that I did a retreat while I was in Dahab, and and at the time, you know, well, I have this baby, and so I kind of integrated Wem and and Nile into the retreat. We moved into the hotel together and sometimes they were there and sometimes they weren't. And we did like a big uh, trip into the desert and we we brought him and all of these. So these kind of experiences made us realize that we could we could still do these things. Um, with some adjustments um, if we if we did them together. So when being a part of, of these trips is really important. I don't think I could do it by myself. Um, maybe I could do it with help, but um, so it's it's nice. It's been nice to kind of do do them. And then when the opportunity to, came to teach a retreat in the white desert um, and when was on board, we thought, okay, let, we'll we'll bring the baby. It was it was interesting because I think he was the first, the youngest, youngest baby to go in a four by four and go like on the sand dunes, and so we we took him on an adventure. And uh, God bless him, he was he was kind. He was kind about it. What were the difficulties? Mm, I think it's hard to keep a baby in a car seat for a very long time. So um, that was, I think, the most difficult part because we did like one day in the desert and, um, you know, and he's he's there and he's unhappy and you want to keep him in a safe place, but he wants to be on your lap and you're like bouncing around. So it's really the, the like safety issues, I think, are the trickiest, um, you know, most hotel rooms, like the places we stayed were really easy to be in. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Everything was pretty, the food situation was maybe the most difficult because I, I couldn't prepare. You, what did you do with the feeding? So, I mean, he's still drinking um, formula and we're, we're also giving him solids. So, you know, I was really, I just thought I'll just buy this hero stuff. Um, and so we had like the hero bottles ready. And then whenever there was food that was, that he could eat, he likes bread. <laughs> I hate to say it, but we give him a lot of bread. <laughs> and, and so um, if there was anything that was edible for him, then we would give it to him. It would be a little bit funny because like we'd be in the group of people like on retreat and then we'd have this little part of the table that was like basically messy because it had food and <laughs> everything, food on the ground, everything. Um, but yeah. Yeah, God bless him. He did okay. But no, the pictures looked beautiful. And I was like, wow, that's great. It looked so nice. The 
the setting it was beautiful it looks amazing it looks so nice i mean he, the funny thing is like he couldn't he didn't appreciate it in that you know he can't even see like the big picture but he really liked being in the sand he liked it was like a giant sandbox for him and he would just crawl around and i'm i'm happy to 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 have against nature especially when you live in cairo it's like i'm glad that he knows what the ground looks like or that he has experiences of rocks and the sea. Yeah, it's nice. When you went on your trip, because I know you said, and I, I know we spoke early on, that you had trouble breastfeeding. How was that experience like for you? Because I know I took it for granted. I thought that I'd be able to breastfeed for months. I was- I don't know. I mean, school. like twin, it's crazy. <laughs> and how difficult was it for you? Gosh, we spoke maybe in my second, it was in the second month that it became apparent that my milk supply was slow. And, um, and we spoke a little bit after that. Um, and what I, we obviously, we decided to put him on formula uh, while trying to continue to breastfeed in hopes that it would, that the breastfeeding would, would kick in eventually, which it never really did. I mean, I had some high points, but it was still pretty low. So, um, but what I decided to do was I, I decided to continue. Um, I don't know. I think you go a little bit crazy when you're a new, I have to say, I feel like I, I had like this kind of mania of uh, one thing, you know, especially in light of like COVID and I was like obsessed with giving him my antibodies. <laughs> like, I was like, you must have my antibodies. Like I have good antibodies. <laughs> Let's give it to you. And, and somehow, you know, and that comes through the breast milk, but it was just like this, you know, and I have to say, I wish I was not as obsessive compulsive about it because I, I really drove myself crazy with like the pumping and, you know, I, I, I bought a pump and we, we, we went for it, you know, and we, I was pumping really regularly, even for such a small amount of milk, you know? Um, and then after a while I stopped, I maybe by um, May, so maybe by his fifth month, I, I, I went to Sahel and, um, and I brought the pump for a week and actually I didn't end up using it. Um, I just gave him the breast um, whenever there was a time and I didn't do it on a schedule or anything because we were on vacation. And that really helped kind of soften everything. Um, it made me kind of realize, ah, you know what? He's, he doesn't rely on my breast milk anyway and whatever he can get is fine. Um, so, so what we've continued to do is, is basically just comfort feeding. Like when he really wants comfort, um, not so much food, he goes for the breast. So when he's ill, he tends to want, want to, to suckle. Um, yeah, I don't really know if there's anything. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Like I, he likes it. <laughs> Sometimes I, I used to feel bad. I'm like, oh, poor thing. It's so boring for him. He just puts him to sleep, you know, but I mean, in a way it's like my magic, you know, like my magic tool. I'll be sad when it's gone because it's like, it's like, it's just like this instant, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. If it works. Yeah. It's kind of what, what we did with it was, you know, we just kind of let him, 
let him use it for comfort. I mean, it has its drawbacks. I I have asked myself whether I've shot myself on the foot with it because that does mean he's a little bit more reliant on me for comfort and for sleeping. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like it's okay. I didn't have mu that much to do. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Yeah, it's true. No, I, 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 six weeks after that, I was, that was it. I was done. I was done. I got a lot of criticism backlash. First of all, I felt bad, but I also got a lot of criticism from people around me. They're like, no, you have to breastfeed. Like you said, the whole antibody thing. No, but you're building immunity, their immunity. And you, why are you doing that? And you have to keep on persisting. And I was like, I have nothing. I tried the breast pump. I tried all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And you know, you have all these like little things here that they tell you to eat and like these, you know, that will increase the, the supply of breast milk. I didn't, it didn't increase the supply of breast milk. It just made me smell bad. I tried it all. I tried it all. I, and, and really nothing helped. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough, you know, and I think it's breast milk is really great. The whole movement for breastfeeding is really awesome, but people take it too far. You know, if yeah. you can't breastfeed, the best thing to do is to feed your child formula. Thank God that there's formula, you know, thank God that it exists, you know, and, and really when, when Niall started to gain weight because he was so small, even after his second month, I was like, I was, I was thinking this formula. I was like, thank you, formula. You are doing such a good job. Better job than my breasts. I did my best. You know, I feel like that's at least, I feel like, I think for you too, it's like, you did your best. Like, you know, that's, and that's all you can do. You only see all the women that are able to breastfeed their kids, like for months on end. I never hear about, you never hear about the women who have a hard time with it. Because you didn't say anything. <laughs> so dramatic <laughs> yeah I felt really bad about myself I felt shitty it's so terrible I think it's like it's that's that's what's funny about the thing you know the pro 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 breast milk movement it's like they take it too far like the whole like it's great if you can lactate um and like the whole la leche movement but it's like come on like I remember when I was so bummed and I was talking to a friend who just had a baby and she was she had difficulties but she'd managed to breastfeed and she was like you know what fed is best like fuck what they say about breast is best fed is best like you want to just make sure that your child is is nourished yeah and however way that happens is is the best thing so you're coming on to a year any advice that you would give to mothers-to-be? I would say, like, really relax. Um, my biggest advice, if I could do it all over again in, in the pregnancy anyway, is to really, like, enjoy the pregnancy. I wish I, I, I felt like I didn't enjoy it, you know, as much as I could have. Like, I felt like I was worried, like, a big chunk of the time. And then... Um, if not worried, I was, I was thinking about so many things, you know, and I didn't just get to um, enjoy being fat and, <laughs> and wobbling around and, and, uh, and taking, taking and having the, the, you know, it's like when you're pregnant, everyone gives you a lot that of slack. So nice. Everyone is so nice. Strangers. People don't stop when you're crossing the street with a baby, but they'll stop for a pregnant woman. I don't know. What's <laughs> My God, you're right. 
strollers, they're ready to run over a stroller. But if you're huge and you're crossing the street, they'll stop for you. I don't know. It's very bizarre. Yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. And I guess for like the new moms, I mean, I never regret it. But I, I sometimes think, wow, life was really good before. So, you know, I think in, in that way, like, you know, and, and I will I will share this with, with anyone who is thinking about having a baby. It's like, enjoy your life before you have the baby because your life is about to really change and not in any really terrible way, but it just changes so drastically. So even the pregnancy, like enjoy that private personal time, do things for yourself. Um, even the bad stuff. Like now I feel like it's, I can laugh when I look back at it. At the time I didn't find it funny at all because I felt like this like, crazy monster, you know, smelly person. <laughs> I know. What you and, and now it's like, oh gosh, you know, I feel like it's, it's all really, it's all really good. Like, and whatever that journey is, I think, you know, whether it's a, a difficult situation or whether it's easy, it's all really special because like in the end you have this amazing gift um, of life, you know. Maybe you'll get that second time around where you can enjoy it. We'll <laughs> see. I mean, I'm 44 <laughs> now. I, I, I just want, I mean, I'll share this with you and the world. <laughs> I just went to see my, my doctor and, you know, and it's possible. Um, and we'll see. I mean, the thing is, it's like sometimes I'm, I feel like so much in the fence about it because it's been so, so hard to, I mean, not so hard, but it was like, it's, it's such a leap to have a baby. And you just to think about having two babies. It's like, wow, that's just blowing my mind right now. Um, and you did two at one time. So I, can, I can't even imagine. I'm going to just take it a step at a time and see what happens. And in any case, we've got one now and he's, he's super cute. You guys are all, you guys are so cute. So cute. Yeah, but you only see the cute stuff, you know, in the pictures that people post, you know, like the, the, the really nitty gritty stuff when you're like, you know, there's sh shit <laughs> all over the place and he's running around you're like, ah. <laughs> but you know what? For some reason, even those really terrible moments and you want to kill them and you want to kill yourself and somebody takes a picture and you're like, and you actually look so happy in that picture. And you're like thinking, wow, I really wanted to kill somebody in that picture. And it's like, <laughs> I'm sure people looking at this picture are like, oh my God, you look so happy. I'm like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> but maybe like, maybe the baseline of everything with having a child is that you are happy even when it's tough, you know? Honestly, I love this episode because the ups and downs of the first year of motherhood don't get acknowledged nearly enough. We all have a tendency to feel completely inadequate when we scroll through those picture-perfect moments captured on Instagram by other mothers that make you feel like you're the only crazy mother out there who's experiencing some major obsessive-compulsive disorder. And a conversation like this reminds me and all other mothers out there that we're not alone and that most mothers have to deal with a considerable amount of shit. And that's why we're here to talk and vent about the things we deal with daily, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thank you for joining me on Mommy's Happy Hour. I'm your host, Hippa Shanbo, and our producer is Chirag Desai. If you're enjoying this, please leave us a review in your podcast player and give us a shout out on social media. 
and don't hold me on this, but hopefully I will join one of Kaz's yoga classes next year. Fingers crossed. See you in two weeks.